The views and opinions expressed in this interview are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Inbound Logistics Magazine or the Inbound Logistics Podcast. You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Desiree Wood, president and founder of Real Women in Trucking. Today's truck drivers are 95% male, but have recently opened up to accept more female drivers as opportunities continue to grow. But the life of a trucker from training to a CDL is not easy for just anyone. The life of a female trucker may be even more challenging. Desiree Wood, a working trucker and founder of Real Women in Trucking, opens up and shares some of her experiences and observations on the state of the trucking industry and what female truckers in particular need to know. Joining me today is Desiree Ann Wood, president of Real Women in Trucking. Desiree, thank you so much for taking time out of your workday. I know you're busy right now to sit and chat with us. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure to join you. I'm just <laughs> trying to squeeze it in with the, with the deliveries. <laughs> well, I, obviously you're a real trucker. What is your personal story on getting into trucking? How did that come about to begin with? Well, I had gotten to a point in my life where I just was really not happy with my kids had moved out. I went to school pretty late in life, uh, college. And um, the closer I got to getting my degree, I was really starting to be like, oh, I can't, I can't work in an office. This is, you know, what, what am I doing? I always like moving, traveling. And so to me, it seemed like something that would work for me. I had some hard times. Um, I found myself at one point in a homeless situation. And at that time, um, one of my friends said, what do you want to do? And I said, I've been thinking about trucking. And she paid for my school. I borrowed the money and paid her back. And that's how it started. And what I found was I was not unlike a lot of the people that I met at CDL school. A lot of them were in the same situation as I was. And they were easy to exploit. And I was easy to exploit because I had nothing left in my life. And... Um, a lot of the things they told us about what the job was going to be were not what it turned out to be. And I saw a lot of people that were would have made good drivers end up falling through the cracks because uh, it was just a bad system. It was an unsafe system. So I did the best that I could do, tried super hard to stay in there, um, even though I saw so many people failing. And kind of had a lot of um, really bad, unsafe situations, and I started documenting it because I I felt like it was the only way that I was going to be able to stay doing it. And I didn't want to have a lawsuit. I wanted to drive. Right. So that's where the social media came in was I sort of came to a crossroads where I was like, do you want to get a lawyer? Or do, you, or do you want to have this job? And and that's what I did. So, you know, at that time I had nothing to lose. So I just, Twitter was there and I took to like a duck to water and it really changed my life, to tell you the truth, and launched everything that I'm doing now. Um, and as a result, it drew a lot of people to me that were experiencing the same situations and needed somebody to talk to and to get help. Through that social media, through Twitter and through your blog and all of that, you've become more than just a trucker. You're also an advocate for 
truckers in general, but uh, you also pay particular attention to women truckers in an industry that is 95% male. What is that like for you? Well, it's very empowering to, to do the job, you know, alongside of the men. I mean, the day-to-day work, you don't really have, you know, kind of the things that I encountered as a student. I mean, you're always going to get looks. I mean, I say that, but at the same time, I've seen so many women just today at the places that I've been um, that are driving. So the numbers have really significantly increased, and they're out here. They just don't get a lot of exposure like they should. There's times that you go places, and the men that are drivers there, just they just look the other way. They don't say anything. But primarily, a lot of the topics that I talk about with the organization is um, stuff that happens in the entry level driver training system in the early weeks when you really don't know anybody in the industry. You don't know anything about what you've gotten yourself into, and and you're vulnerable. So you've spoken out against uh, a number of those issues that are that truckers are facing: safety, parking, uh, sexual harassment, uh, safety and training. How hard has it been to get those issues addressed, or is it getting better? It's been really hard. <laughs> I mean, it's been eight years of um, getting on Twitter and and blogs and uh, doing interviews and stuff to get people to even pay attention to what we've been talking about and. Now, you know, I mean, if you've seen, we went to Washington, D.C. this last year and have actual people that can make changes helping us with truck parking. Um, I had a phone call this morning from somebody in North Carolina asking me if I thought it would be a good idea for them to use the way stations. I mean, we couldn't get anybody to pay attention to us at all. I did not spearhead that campaign. Hope Reibenberg, the widow of Jason Reibenberg, did, but I just happened to be, I had uh, the opportunity through my presence on Twitter to share what she was sharing and, and uh, you know, be part of a group of, of um, trucking advocates that are truck drivers to get the message out to sort of complement the hard work that she was doing. And then I helped her with the driver survey. I was the project manager, which we handed over to the Federal Highway Administration, which is now, you know, now it's Jason's lot in the transportation bill. So it really began as a murder and a petition drive and a social media campaign with some dedicated few people. I originally started speaking out because what I saw happening at my company with the trainees, females in particular, I discovered was going on at other companies that had the same business model, and a lot of people knew about it, and nobody wanted to talk about it. And even senior women would say, don't tell anybody, or they'll be gunning for you. And I was like, that is wrong. There were people that I heard of getting raped, beaten up. I was left out in the desert, and some uh, my co-drivers threw bleach on me. I had a, a ton of different horrible experiences with bad co-drivers, and, you know, you would think that you report it, 
and they do something about it, but instead you report it and they start gunning for you. And I started learning about women that have been raped and assaulted, and people would be like, yeah, it's really common, but don't say anything. I was like, what? Wow. That's not right. And so as I dug into this, nobody wanted to do anything. I joined Women in Trucking, the other organization. Mm -hmm. I was stalked online. I was intimidated to stop talking about Eventually, my membership was revoked. And I found that I was told at one point there were other people like you that had come along and started talking about all this stuff, and we ran them off. But you just never left. And I was like... The organization is called Women in Trucking. That gives the perception that you represent the women that drive the trucks, too. You know, that's the perception. But, in fact, it wasn't. So I spent a lot of time trying to research, you know, what is this all about? And the more women truckers, there was a lot of women truckers that knew their image was being used to promote that organization, and it was nothing for them. Um, there were women that know very well about the issues that were happening to the trainees, but there's a lot of shaming and blaming in this industry. It's very antiquated. Sometimes the women attack other women more than the men. And I just was baffled how it was like a different era. It was like the 1950s. And I just felt like I really needed to say something. Uh, one, for self-preservation. But the more that I talked, the more people started coming forward and saying, she's not crazy, that happened to me too. So over time, you know, the Dan Rather things, Dan, I'm sure you saw the Dan Rather show and all of that, it was in a workplace bullying thing, I was in the Twitter documentary. I would talk to about all of this about, with whoever I could get to stand still long enough. And as a result of that, people started coming and asking me all kinds of different trucking questions, <laughs> like truck parking and speed limiters. And I was like, wait a minute, I only just started doing this, you know, I'm hanging on by my fingernail. So um, I thought that there was really a place and a need for it. And so I just stayed with it on an informal basis until 2012 when some other women said, you know, they wanted to get involved. And I said, well, then I need help. And we filed the paperwork to become an official organization, a membership organization, and try to develop some unity. I've had good girlfriends in my life. Mm -hmm. Women are very difficult. They are very hard on each other. Mm -hmm. And they can be their own worst enemy. But I've had really good girlfriends in my life, and I know it's possible to have really good women, strong women that will help you be a better human being. And I, I just thought, maybe we can assemble that and make this happen. And so that was really, I mean, that's real. Authentic, real women look out for each other. Real it is an acronym. It stands for reaching out, encouraging others, achieving personal success, and leadership. Our mission statement is to deliver highway safety through leadership, mentorship, education, and advocacy. So some of the things that, you know, I spoke about previously is trying to 
put that group of women together that do care. And women are diverse. Some of them don't want to help other women. They don't. And I'm not looking to make every woman want to help other women. I'm trying to find the ones that already have the compassion, that have had a hard road, and they would like to help somebody else younger or, you know, that's just coming into this and say, hey, you know, don't do that. Do this. You don't have to take my advice, but I'm just telling you, save yourself a lot of heartache from somebody that's been there. That is so valuable if you can swallow your pride and listen and not talk to what somebody's trying to tell you. That really, uh, it, it in a nutshell, the type of women that enter truck driving are strong-willed, independent. They often don't take instruction well. I don't think I've met any truck drivers, male or female, that are easy to teach. (laughs) 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 They are, are, it's a certain breed of human being that would want to work alone. They don't play nice with others necessarily. So trying to make that turn into teamwork is quite challenging. That being said, I've met some truck drivers that have the biggest hearts and a great deal of compassion. So real women in trucking did not aim to look for some of the old style that I've seen where it's, I don't know if you ever look at trucking blogs, but you know, one person asks a simple question and then it's just like dog pile tearing them to pieces. That's not what I want. I want to, you know, give some, I don't mind if it's tough talk, but stay on the point and no name calling and let's try to solve the problem. And how large is your organization now? Our following in social media is over 25,000, but translating those into paying members is not as great. Um, we we have under 300 paying members, and one of the reasons is when we started a membership, I was immediately overwhelmed. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had 70 students in nine months that wanted mentorship and help to navigate the system. I was making the membership cards and the letters and mailing them out and I'm like, oh, and the printer ink and the, I mean, I was like, what have I done? (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so we had a lot of problems with the membership cards. So we are like, we have not pressed, we haven't pushed membership for like over a year because we were overwhelmed with, you know, people wanting to be students, students needing help trying to keep up with them. So since then, we did a couple different things. We started a members-only section that's away from our other social media stuff that's just for an inner circle of people, which has helped me keep tabs on the students 
instead of calling them and seeing how you're doing and some of them only want to talk to me and it was really a lot because I will stop if they're in distress I will stop whatever I'm doing but at some point I gotta like take a step back we're having our first event this year the cruise um, Mm -hmm. which is going to be an opportunity for us to meet some of us face to face and talk about where we're going moving forward. Honestly, there's a lot of women that just want to have another woman friend. They don't want to be advocates. They just want to know another lady truck driver that can commiserate with them and understand what they're going through with the isolation on the road. That's not going to talk down to them and make them, you know, it's hard. I have a lot of girlfriends that are not truck drivers, but it is very hard to relate with them after a while when you call and you're in a snowstorm and you're lonely and they're like at the pool having a pina colada at a barbecue and you're like, okay, well, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Sounds fun. Um, (laughs) So to have another uh, lady driver where you can say, yeah, I blew an airline today, and they're like, oh, I got got just the trick to help you not do that. And you're like, really? You know, um, one lady that's a member, she had some medical issues this year and had to stay home, and she was just like, my kids want me to melt chocolate, and I've never done that before. She's a hazardous materials tanker driver. She's like, I'm a truck driver. I don't know how to melt chocolate. I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> it's a There is a completely different population out there, and so they want to associate with one another, and, and the nature of the job, you don't run into each other very often. And if you do, it's like at a fuel stop, and it's not like you're like, hi, I'm a girl, you're a girl, you're a truck driver. <laughs> that doesn't happen. So, <laughs> But to have something where you like can meet in person and you already know you have some things in common, so that's sort of where we're going. Right, and I can see the value of having a group where you can all come together and exchange ideas and just talk and be who you are with fellow truck drivers, fellow female truck drivers. So I, I can absolutely see that value. What about the industry now, though? Has the industry changed for the better or the worse since you've joined the ranks? Uh, they, they use women a lot to promote this industry, but they haven't fixed a lot of stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. They've worked to conceal it. There's still a lot of lawsuits that are current for sex assault, sex harassment, um, um, violent assaults, retaliation for reporting it. The same names come up time and again. The same carrier names come up time and again. And I put a frequently asked questions section on our website under the student, CDL students section. And we ask all of the students to read that first. And and there's a lot of people in this industry, they're like, okay, we want to take pictures of you, lady truck drivers. You can only talk positively about the industry. That is not what you should do when you're luring people into the industry who don't know anything about it. 
mm-hmm. and are going to end up at one of these carriers where they're going to be told that they have to do team driving with a total stranger. I don't like the way that they hide it. I don't like the way they brush it over. I don't like to see how many women truck the the women truckers deserve a lot of credit and recognition, but they get a lot of recognition in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. A most a most beautiful contest. Put high heels on and lipstick and stand in front of your truck because every time that picture is circulated, there's some woman or girl that's influenced by that image. The result of that is coming into this naive, coming into this not realizing that you actually have to work, that you're not being slighted because somebody said you got to push a cart off the back of the truck. That's not harassment. That's this job. You're going to get dirty. You're not going to be able to go get your fingernails done all the time anymore. (laughs) There's some things you're going to have to give up, like private bathrooms. So so if you're not cut out for this, I I just feel like, you know, you got to be honest with people, especially, um, especially when their personal safety is in jeopardy. So I, I, I feel like the industry has changed to the point where they give the women more exposure, but perhaps they're not doing it as responsibly as they should and holding some of these carriers accountable where a lot of people know there's bad stuff happening and the, there's nothing changing about the way they take the reports and deal with the victim and the perpetrator. Now, how is an organization like Real Women in Trucking going to be addressing that moving forward? Do you have stuff planned to confront those carriers or provide mentorship and more leadership for incoming drivers? What is, what is next for Real Women in Trucking? Right now, the only thing that I can do is tell drivers who to avoid because their chances of getting in these situations are much more likely. I would love to see the supply chain become more informed about which carriers this stuff's going on so they could say, you know what, it might be a little bit cheaper to um, ship with you, but we don't want to have team driving students because we know that what it's inherently unsafe. I mean, you can read all of the court cases of some of the horrific things that are going on with these carriers, and they have big contracts with big names. If you can do this in the in the international supply chain where you have um, human trafficking going on in child labor, you should be able to look at your domestic supply chain and go, okay, this company has got a laundry list of sex assault cases against it pending right now. Why are we doing business with them? Mm. You know, um, because those drivers, they're going to those your, those properties and they're going, don't you guys know what's going on here? You know what I mean? You're pulling in these big properties with these name brands that everyone recognizes. And you're just like, I, you wish you could say, I am being terrorized on my truck from this company you do business with. How do you not know? 
their reputation. It's all over the internet. So I would like to see people be uh, more, a little bit more inquisitive about who they're got in their supply chain rotation. Um, not just with the women, but some of the lease programs are pushing on the students, the one-sided contracts setting them up to fail, blackballing them from the industry if they don't pay their debt to them, a number of different things. Unfortunately, though, with the new administration coming in, I don't know that anybody really cares. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. I really don't know. You know, I really thought that we were like, okay, we're going to maybe get somebody to listen to us. There's uh, one thing that I do work is with a lot of investigative journalists. So um, uh, while I'm not maybe on Twitter as much as I used to be and I don't blog as much as I used to, I do work with a lot of very well respected investigative journalists to point them in the direction of different stories that I think would be as big as the ITT school stink scandal, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature. Um, I, I really believe that there's a, a handful of carriers that need to be exposed um, mm -hmm. for the exploitation. And you want that word to reach beyond the carriers and the drivers. You want the companies that use those carriers to know what's going on and hopefully they will be moved to avoid those particular carriers. I think so. I mean, when I was a little kid, we didn't have dolphin free tuna. We didn't have fair trade coffee. And I believe that there are people in the supply chain that would, if they knew what's going on at some of the carriers that are out on their property, on their distribution center, would say, you know what, let's not use them. Right. Yeah, let's not. What are we saving, like 50 cents? or I mean, a pennies add up to a lot in this business. I understand that. But when you start seeing the pictures of the little kids fishing for your shrimp, you start right. thinking twice about where you're going to buy it. And I believe that we can do the same thing in trucking. We have no ethical compass in this very fractured industry, and I would like to see people that say they're in supply chain and logistics start going, yeah, let's look at this whole, every section of this chain, and what are we doing before we start patting ourselves on the back about being one of the most ethical companies? What's going on in all of the other parts of this supply chain, you know? Right. Well, you know what? You have a platform right now. I'm giving you a platform here to tell the supply chain, to tell incoming drivers, where can people go to learn more about you and your concerns and maybe open up that discussion? Well, I mean, our organization website is www.realwomenintrucking.org. We're on Facebook. Our like page is Real Women in Trucking, and our Twitter tag is at Women Truckers. Of course, I'm on there personally at Trucker Desiree, and I have a personal blog, can't keep up with it. I mean, if somebody tweets me and says, can we talk? I say, yeah, sure. If I can change one person at a time to make them sit at home at night and go, you know, yeah, maybe I'm going to look up some of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, that's how I, I'm just like one person at a time, you know, if I can get one person to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this other carrier over that one. Then I, I think that I'm making some progress.
and it gives other people hope. It gives drivers hope that somebody cares and is listening. Because I, I hear them so many times say, nobody cares. They don't care. They're never going to change. And I'm like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I know there's people out there that want to do the best, and they want to do the best by others. So let's find them. Absolutely. And this has been a fascinating interview. I absolutely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down with us. And I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and the supply chain, really. Desiree, thank you so much again for sitting down with us. I appreciate it. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. All of these links will be available in the show notes. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.